Hello and welcome to the Double Double. My name is David Dixon and it's Friday, July 2nd here in New York City. Hope everyone is enjoying and getting ready for the 4th of July, 4th of July holiday weekend. Big day yesterday in the world of sports. There was NBA playoffs, reaction to the Suns making the finals in Chris Paul's first finals appearance in his 16 NBA seasons. The Bucks hawks game five with a lot of injuries and a huge, huge uh, pivotal point in that series. And then also the NIL legislation has begun in college sports. College athletes can now earn money from their name, image, and likeness. So, so we're going to hit on all three of those things. Starting with the Suns making the finals. The Suns go into Staples Center and they pretty handedly take it to the Clippers. It wasn't abject domination by any stretch of the imagination. It wasn't a blowout from the jump. The Clippers definitely were in it and had chances to compete and win that game. But when it came down to it, as the game went on further and further, the scoreline obviously looks way worse, 130 to, to, to 103. But that all started midway through the third quarter, going into the fourth quarter when Chris Paul caught absolute fire. And and they broke him. Uh, they just warmed down. They kept the pressure up. The Clippers were hanging around, hanging around, trying to steal at the end, and, and the Suns did not let them. And Chris Paul really caught fire. In the midway through the third quarter on, there is a moment, a momentary lapse in the Clippers' defense where uh, something happened on pick-and-roll defense, miscommunication, or whatever happened, it was bad and left Chris Paul with the ball wide, wide open from three. He knocks it down, and that just started the domino effect. of he was Look, he was playing really well before that, and then that just said, all right, that got him going even more, and for the rest of the game, it felt like he could not miss. Had a huge four-point play later. He was attacking Cousins in in the pick and roll. He finally looked fully healthy and himself after his bout uh, with COVID and, and in the COVID protocols. He was 16 for 24 from the field, and just a sense of clear. He understood the he understood the moment, and when it was there for the taking, he he did it. He. He grabbed it and and didn't let go. It was a lot of fun to watch, getting a chance to see him finally after all these years making the finals. I've I've talked on this podcast about how is he just unlucky? Is he cursed? Like what's going on? And and we'll see what happens in the finals. But big congratulations, Chris Paul, who's been a star in the NBA for a really long time, getting a chance to go to the finals and and by beating. His former team, the team that he couldn't quite get over the hump with, with the Clippers, I'm sure makes it even sweeter for him. Uh, but look, the Suns are really good. They totally deserve this. They totally deserve to make the finals. The Clippers put up a good chance and a, and a good fight, but they, without Kawhi, the odds were really against them in this series. And they have one of the most interesting off-seasons going forward. But focusing on the winners first and the Suns, the Suns have a great chance to bring home the NBA championship. They have Chris Paul, X-Factor, Hall of Famer at the front of attack, Devin Booker, young all-star, dynamic score. He's going to have to figure out what he is comfortable with 
with his broken nose and his mask as he broke it in game two. Where, where's the mask? Didn't you know the mask is uncomfortable? Having a broken nose is uncomfortable, so none of this is easy. But he wears it, see, you know, for whatever reason, he decided that he didn't like it enough and and he took it off, took a massive shot to the nose by Paul George on just a, a basketball play, a, a rip through. Unclear if he broke his nose again, but it looked extremely painful. And he comes back and puts the mask back on. This could cause a problem going forward in the finals as either the if he's still super uncomfortable in the mask he may have trouble you know he may not be at 100% he may be at 94% of his powers and if he doesn't wear it he could break his nose again and miss time in a game or maybe even miss a game so that could be really bad so going forward you know they should have some time off depending on how this Bucks Hawks series goes let's get some you know let, let's get Booker comfortable with his mask or with that mask or a different mask, you know, with that, not saying it's comfortable by any stretch of the imagination, but that could just be a small X factor going forward. And the huge X factor in, in, in the finals is Jay Crowder. I talked on this podcast previewing game six about how Crowder needed to be more involved, take more shots, and how him and Bridges had combined for 11 shots in game five. Well, they combined for uh, 17 shots in game six. They went 10 for 17, much, much better. Crowder hit five three-pointers for uh, with 19 total points. He was huge for Miami last year in, in the bubble, knocking down key shots, great positional size on the wings, can switch, can battle defensively. He could be huge if, let's say, Milwaukee wins the series as they're up 3-2, guarding Giannis, guarding Chris Middleton, uh, battling down low with Portis and Lopez. Crowder is a good player, and he's another huge, huge X factor going forward. He didn't shoot that well in the finals last year. If he has a good shooting series this year in the finals, Phoenix has a great chance to win the championship. And DeAndre Ayton, again, 40 minutes, 16 points, 17 rebounds. He's going to do his thing. He's going to have to do it against probably the best big guy he's faced since Anthony Davis uh, in in doing it uh, – well, at least defensively, because Jokic is better than Brook Lopez. But defensively, Lopez is a very good rim protector, a very good shot blocker. Let's see how Aiton can fare and what Milwaukee or Atlanta does with Aiton going forward. Because if he's going to keep throwing in 15 and 15 every game, about, man, does Phoenix, again, have a really, really good chance to, to win the finals. And, and that's what you want. They have a really, really good team who is well-deserving of a place in the championship round and a chance to win the championship. So I'm excited for it. I'm excited for them. We will see who their opponent is. And just briefly on the Clippers, they will be the domino starter for this offseason. They have the most decisions to make, not only as the organization itself, but the players on the team. Kawhi Leonard has an opt-out. And when he decides what to do, that will start the ball on free agency, trades, all that stuff as if Kawhi it comes back and they run it back, great. Everyone can sign, all that. But if Kawhi says, you know what, I'm out, Kawhi becomes the number one free agent. Teams that may be interested in other players are now going to go after him, and then there'll be a wait and see for them. Do I sign early or wait to see what Kawhi does? If he says, you know, I'm interested in coming back, but not with Paul George. I want someone. I, I want to play with someone else. Well, then Paul George has to get traded, and that leads to a lot of questions over who can trade for Paul George, where 
where uh, where can they go? Because it's a distressed asset who teams know that the Clippers have to trade, and so but how do you get fair value on that? Maybe maybe Miami does it. Maybe Dallas, Portland. Very very interesting to see what happens. But this Clippers team, and we'll get more into the offseason as the offseason happens and as the season ends. But the Clippers will be the domino starter for the NBA offseason, I think, just because they have so many decisions to make with uh, key players around the NBA. Game last night, Bucks hawks game five. No Giannis. He was out with his hyperextended knee. Bobby Portis starting in his place. Milwaukee's had to go big, which is an interesting decision. Trey Young also out with his bruised foot. And Lou Williams again started in his place. So the two best players in the series were out. Not how either team draws it up for a pivotal, pivotal game in this series. But Milwaukee comes out early, and they have an awesome start. 22-7 to with six minutes left in the first quarter. Atlanta has to call two timeouts early. And they were just attacking the hoop early and attacking the hoop really just the entire game. This was Brooke Lopez's game. He reminded people just how awesome he can be and all the people who said that Milwaukee can't play Brooke Lopez. I refer you to this game. He can be incredibly effective. I I lost count on how many dunks he had. In the Eastern Conference Finals, it was a dunk fest, a layup line at times for Milwaukee. Atlanta's interior defense, especially early in the game, was was definitely lacking. And that's something going forward. If Milwaukee keeps attacking like that this is why people get so frustrated with Milwaukee is there are times where it looks so good and so easy where they are getting layup after layup and dunk after dunk when they move and set screens and body and ball movement and it looks incredible and then there are times where they get super stagnant very iso heavy and it it just the results it gets so jump shot happy and the results change is that this is the this is the Milwaukee team and maybe because they didn't have Giannis they had to play a, 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 a different way but it was just in, very impressive to see them use and use their advantage all game with Lopez all game with with Portis of using their size and a really really attacking the rim and and just get you know realizing that that's where their advantage was and really just pressing on it until Atlanta stopped it because they didn't really stop it. And Milwaukee only took 29 threes last night. You know, they only made nine of them. You wish that they made a, a few more of them, but they didn't really need them because they could go get twos whenever they really needed it. Middleton with a really good game again, 26 and 13, rising to the occasion. Holiday, 25 points, six rebounds, 13 assists. He was solid. P.J. Tucker, all the rebounds that he does get, he had 11, and then all the loose balls he keeps alive that don't show up in the box score can't really be quantified. Portis, 22 points, 8 rebounds. Milwaukee going big was a bold decision by Coach Bud, and I thought it paid off for him. Portis played with great energy, great intensity, the same way he was coming away, the same way he was off the bench. He did coming off and starting the game. His intensity and his effort was really, really impressive and really fun to watch. They Milwaukee absolutely deserved to win last game, and they bought themselves some breathing room that if Giannis is not fully ready to go, now he probably won't be 100%, but ready enough to go to contribute, 
where he won't where he wouldn't be a liability on one end, end of the court they bought themselves some breathing room that they don't have to play him game six that they want to get him just get a little bit healthier they can hold him out till game seven on Monday night if necessary right Atlanta now has and Trey Young has a really difficult decision to make with game six of if Trey Young is healthy ish do they try to push him to play? Do they? Do, do they? Or does 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 he come back at the appropriate time? Maybe, maybe too early. How I think Trey Young will play. I think he's a baller. I think he wants to be playing. I think he he held out this game to to see if he could be in in that same boat, knowing Giannis wasn't going to play. But we will see. We we will see what happens because what happens with Trey Young because Bogdanovich finally looked right for Atlanta. I don't know if he's getting healthier or if just the ball was going in. But he had a huge game, 28 points. That's another good game for him back-to-back. Atlanta was never fully out of this game. They battled all games, stuck around. They never really punched back after the initial punch by Milwaukee, but they were hanging around just enough that this game wasn't really over till late. But looking to game six at home, if Bogdanovich can keep playing while he he can have another 20 points or so, that's kind of just, okay, if we we get him 20-25, how? And there's no young. How do we get to 100, right? How do we get to 100, 105? Gallinari hit some shots. They have shooters: Lou Will, Kevin Herter, Collins, Reddish. You know, role players seemingly always shoot better at home. How do they get to 100, 105 points? And if Young is back, they know what to do: give Young the ball, pick and roll, space, all that really good stuff. But but Bogdanovich in Game Six is a huge, huge X factor because if he's right and Giannis doesn't play and Trey Young's back. I think I think that game could could force a game seven in Milwaukee on Monday night. But that game, game six, is tomorrow night, Saturday night, 8.30 on TNT. Last thing what we're going to hit on today, the NIL name, image, and likeness has officially started in major college sports. College athletes now can sign and promote products using their name, image and likeness they can now sell things they can receive money for it a massive step forward for college sports and a radical change in the way that it was operating beforehand all the coaches and people and prognosticators who said this would be really really bad for the sport you know to be seen it was only day one but it was really interesting to see how many coaches and athletic programs tweeted out really positive statements about this rule change after fighting it and the NCAA fighting it for so long, seeing now and, and publicizing how great this is for their athletes because they know it's it's a recruiting tool now. Hey, we, we're going to help you not only excel on, on the field or the court or the rink or the pool or whatever it is. We're not going to help you just excel in the classroom. But while you're here, you have an opportunity. You have a platform. You have a you have a platform to grow your brand, to grow your name, and to potentially earn some money. And if we're not going to help you do that, and some other school is going to offer all three, and we're only offering two, that that's a huge disadvantage and a huge recruiting disadvantage, especially at the highest, highest levels, SEC, ACC, Big Ten, Big 12. And it was really interesting to see that there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of speculation on who who will this help? Will it help only the biggest athletes, the quarterbacks in the SEC and the superstars in basketball, or is this going to help all the way down? And, and I've talked on this podcast about how I think that the NIL will help college athletes 
in every sport, male and female, at all levels because there's just so much that people do in college and things that they're interested in. And just because you have a sport, that, that doesn't mean if you also have a blog about food or a nutrition Instagram account or if you like doing YouTube or if you are a singer, songwriter, something like that, that that means just because you play a college sport and you're good at something else that you can't earn money doing other things as well. I think it could be a game, you know, I've talked to, you know, I'm not going to repeat everything I said, but but I've, you know, stated clearly what I think that it could be a game changer and really positive for all of college sports and for college athletes in particular. And that was the really cool part to see yesterday was there was the large deals, you know, there there was the Boost Mobile signing uh, and working with the Cavender twins who are female basketball players at Fresno State with massive Instagram and TikTok followings. Boost Mobile, obviously, if they're if they're doing commercials during the NBA playoffs, that's a huge brand. And then you see smaller deals like Bo Nix promoting, who's the Auburn quarterback promoting the iced tea brand that him and his family drink, which is a, a smaller deal. It was really cool to see that there were some big companies involved, some smaller companies involved, and that it was both men's and women's sports that there was a balance of it wasn't just quarterbacks announcing things. It was male and female athletes across the board in a lot of different fields and a lot of different uh, sport arenas, parts of the country levels were getting in on the NIL action and, and getting opportunities as well, which was really, really exciting to see. And there's just one story from yesterday and one example of the NIL that I think just perfectly encaptures why this was such a big issue for so many athletes and why so many people, once you really saw the rules and just how sometimes ridiculous they were because they were so overbearing and by disallowing everything, it meant that the reasonable stuff couldn't happen, right? That the rules of, and you know, we, you know, the, they were massively publicized when they happened, but a few years ago, there was a kicker on the one, either South Florida or Central Florida who had a very successful YouTube channel where he played video games. And he was a good video game player, but because he used his real name in the YouTube channel that he started before he was going to be a kicker in college, that he was going to be ineligible to play college football because he had a very successful video game YouTube channel where people watched him play. And then so that's what seemed crazy about these rules of that has nothing to do with football. It has nothing to do with what he's doing in college. It's something that he likes to do on the side. That's just a part of him just being a person that by not being allowed to do it, it just showed how overbearing that the NCAA rules are were because it wasn't a part of a pay for play scheme that the NCAA thinks that could hurt the integrity of the game or some type of point shaving thing. No, it was a kid who liked to play call of duty and posting it on YouTube and talking about it. And people liked watching it. That, that, that seemed way out of way out of bounds and way overbearing. And so one big rule change or one big thing is that, and my favorite story from yesterday was there is a offensive lineman at Marshall division one college football player, offensive lineman, his name is Will Ulmer. He announced that now that the NCA will allow it, he will be playing live shows this year as Will Ulmer. And when you think of live shows, he plays the guitar and he sings. And he would go and he would busk or go to bars and, and perform and he would have to use a a stage name, not his real name, to go sing 
because it was an NCA violation because of he was profiting off his name, image, and likeness. And that's something that just if just if all these things happen and and no one else signs major major sponsorship agreements, but that just just the idea that like people who like to sing can now if a bar wants to give them twenty bucks and a couple free drinks or a coffee shop to go play the guitar as them that now they will be allowed to do it with their actual name that is worth it all to me uh of changing the rule and dealing with with the craziness that that will ensue with with some of these sponsorship numbers because there's there are athletes with millions and millions of followers and then there are people like will omer who just like doing you something that they're passionate about and if someone wants to give them money for it they should be allowed to do that as well so i was really pumped to see that and and see that there is now some sense and some what seems like very obvious progress with the ncaa on the name image and likeness front and we will see what happens going forward it was crazy on day one the excitement will wear off and there won't be every single day dozens and dozens of athletes announcing sponsorship agreements every single day, like on the first day of, of anything. Yesterday was like Christmas morning and we'll see what happens going forward and it'll be really interesting to see. But just but just the idea that, that people now don't have to use fake names to perform something they're passionate about like this is in Parks and Recreation where Ron Swanson uses a fake name so people at work don't know who he is and it's a sitcom and a comedy but just the idea that that someone who is in college and could be good at multiple things is allowed to go to the local bar or restaurant or coffee shop or whatever and perform as his name is just a major major positive step forward so that's going to do it for this episode next week we're going to talk about the basketball and then we're also going to start we get in the finals and we get back into multiple off days. We're going to start doing some NBA draft preview stuff, some some scouting reports on the top prospects. And we're going to start with Jalen Suggs, one of my favorite players to watch last year, the Gonzaga guard. He's projected to go early top five, top six. So we're going to start with him next week. I'm really excited for it because I, I really like him. And that's sort of what, what we'll be doing on the off days between finals games. We're going to do some draft profiles and just wanted to tease that Jalen Suggs' profile and report will be coming first next week. So that'll do it for this episode of the Double Double. If you like this podcast, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever your podcast, where you can subscribe, rate, and review. Five stars would be much, much appreciated. You can also follow us on Twitter at DBL underscore DBL podcast. We'll be back next week. Take care and have a great day.